we're dealing with that now today. You can't sin in a vacuum. That's not my message. But um, so there'll be more information to come out, and it's free to be registered, and it's a comfortable environment, and we believe many people should be there in our church. All right? Amen? Let's uh, just kind of come into agreement. I was going to do it earlier, but it just didn't go. We need to pray for Israel, and we need to pray for that whole region. (laughs) I have a prophecy. We're one day closer to the end times. (laughs) Study that (laughs) and be faithful about God's business. Not to be ignorant. We do need to know things, but don't get in the exploration of dotting the T's and dotting the I's because Jesus doesn't really even know or told, right? But we are getting closer. Every day is closer. Whether this is part of that uh, uh, acceleration or ignite of something, but we need to pray for peace in that region, for God's people of Israel, for innocent people that have nothing to do with what the evil is, has done and, and may continue to do as we know. It's not, I can't imagine the, the pressure of any leader that has to make these decisions on what to do next when it involves a lot of people's lives. So we need to pray for wisdom of the leaders there. Heavenly Father, we come to you humbly into the throne of grace, Lord. As a church community at Faith Christian Center, we pray that your will above all wills be done amongst the people in Israel, the other regions, Lord. We ask you to impart through your Holy Spirit wisdom that leads to peace. And in that peace, clarity will come on what to do next. Lord, we pray for many souls that are affected by the tragedies and what's coming in front of us now. Let the people around them point to the sky and learn of your love for them and find Jesus in their heart. Lord, the people around them that are believers and Christians, let them be the salt and the light at this time. And Lord, let us as believers over here, let's not get lost in the despair. It's real, but you are still in control. And above all, let your will be done over there and in our hearts that daily we need to pray for that area and especially our brothers and sisters in Israel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Is there any way to make that clock back there bigger? You guys are all in trouble. (laughs) I can't see. There we go. Thank you. All right. I want to finish the uh, series that we've started a while back called Our Compass. Our Compass is who? Pop quiz. Good. His representation, though, is who? The Holy Spirit. So that's, you're absolutely right. It is Jesus and what a physical form is to us right now. The Holy Spirit. The, holy, the, the compounding of the the anchor idea for this third part and ending part, I believe we'll land the plane today, I hope, um, is that the Holy Spirit is our compass because He guides us in truth. And in that truth, our wills 
begin to become in unison with the Father's will. And when that happens, we find our purpose in our life. And I'm not talking about that this is like an annual thing. I'm not talking about it's a, it's a few times a year thing. It's a daily thing that should be recognized in your life. Meaning the Holy Spirit being recognized, we'll talk about that more, and for what He is and what He will do and guide you in truth. As you know, the tide is rising all around us as Christ followers to find truth. But we have truth. And and the Holy Spirit is going to follow us to that truth. That truth might need to be discovered through the Holy Spirit that He leads you to that to help somebody find hope in their life. That truth may be a daily discovery of truth of just how to pay your bills in life. This is an encompassing thing because these are compass that we need to do that. And it's so important to, to recognize Him in doing that. God is a being and He created us human beings to have a relationship with Him. And the only way we can really have a relationship with God through Christ is through the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit. Some of our prayers get thrown up so much. God, I need help. I need this. And those are true and honest prayers. But they don't sometimes get answered because God's saying, I'm not opening the sky up again. Did that with Noah and let it rain and other areas. I'm not answering you through a big tangible thing. I just need you to be still and listen to the Holy Spirit who I speak to to speak to you. Does that make sense? So we're, we do need to have the prayer daily, and I think I went over this, so we're reviewing quickly as, as I can. My daily prayer is that I believe I'm doing the right thing is, Heavenly Father, thank you for all, you're done, all you've done. You are the originator, creator of everything around me. Anything that has purpose was made by you, and we honor you. Jesus, I worship you today. You are not only my Savior, but my Lord and King what was done on that cross that made me come closer to God and reconcile myself to my Father. Holy Spirit, you are welcome wherever I am today, and I need to listen to you above all. I don't worship the Holy Spirit. I need to listen and acknowledge the Holy Spirit. If that is your daily prayer life, things will start changing. There's an order to things that we need to, and we've forgotten over the years sometimes to welcome that Holy Spirit in us and recognize Him. The Holy Spirit is a representation of Christ. He testifies for what Christ has already done and wants to continue to do. It's scriptural. Go to John 15, 26. I want to do it in Amplify. But this is Jesus, some of His last times before he went to the cross. But when the comforter, counselor, helper, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, standby. Imagine if the Holy Spirit had an Instagram page, had to list all these things. You know, but they're all true, right? Whom I send, meaning Jesus, to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who comes, proceeds from the Father, he himself will testify regarding me. Me. 
We talked about the Trinity really quick, and we, we went not so much from a theological doctrinal standpoint, but we said let's look at the Trinity as just a relational standpoint because that's what I believe originated it. So you have God the Father, right? And you have uh, when Adam and Eve said, you know what, I got this thing fixed on my own. I can draw a line in the sand and, and, and make my own decisions of what's good and evil. <laughs> How's that been going? So anyhow... God has to kick them out of Eden. No more relationship. We see in the Old Testament, Moses, Abraham, all the God is yearning for true communion again with his creator. But it doesn't come until he says, I have to send my son Jesus to the cross. Come down, minister, show my will through Jesus to the, fa- to the Father, in Jesus, to the people around me to help build a kingdom. He comes down, does what he does, miracles, wonders, points people to his Father, only does what his Father says. He can go to a cross for you and I, and now he is seated at the right hand of the Father. But when he left, he said these things. He said, wait a minute, we're not going to leave all you human beings stranded because we've got some momentum here to help build my Father's kingdom on earth and have a reconciled relationship with my Father through me. The Holy Spirit's coming to do that to be with you, to be your guide, to be your compass. And, and, and the, the Trinity is the first thing we can understand how much powerful unity is. Because they're unified. They're unified, three in one. We talked about when you come to an altar or you pray a prayer of salvation, we tend to call that in our Christian faith, which is great. It's a beginning, but it's great. You need to surrender and acknowledge a starting point in your life. But when you accept Christ into your heart, as you begin to, to, to do that, um, we know the Holy Spirit gets implanted in you at that moment. So we're not talking about a whole other ritual that you need to do to get the Holy Spirit in you. If you're saved, a believer of Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit in you already. Let's prove it. Ephesians 1.13 and Paul. Ephesians 1.13. And now you Gentiles, that's most of us, have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believeth in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Holy Spirit is the first, another scripture, the first installment of your inheritance of having the Spirit of God be joined in unison with you. That's a run-around-the-room moment, but I don't run around the room much. So, But just to let you know, the Spirit of God that in Romans raised Jesus from the dead and everything is already in you if you have accepted Christ in you. In you. All right, Pastor, that's all warm and fuzzy, but I do not see any power in my life of the Holy Spirit. And my life is just living from the one event to the next. When it rains, it pours. Here's, I, I, the, the, here's the tension in this series. <laughs> Can I give you some tension? You needed some tension today. The tension in the series is, this all sounds good, but I have to make a decision, am I really going to follow Christ? There is a fork in the road right now. And that fork is, and I'm saying this in love because I'm growing in this too, but you have to hear me, please. The fork in the road is I have a compass. 
We did this with the map before, with the Bible. Am I just comfortable knowing I have a compass and I'm, I'm very knowledgeable where north, south, east, and west is? I'm a Christian. The fork in the road is, are you actually going to use this thing? So instead of me, imagine talking about north, south, and east, and west, because I've been there, and I'm heading there. Christianity is not, Christianity in true form is an adventure, just like we're going to see what the apostles did. It's not I get saved and I go to church. That's a small part. It's an important part. This has to be, the Holy Spirit will have you in places you've never been before that will elevate you far before any job, any profession, any title will ever do because it's only God when you're doing that. See, when the darker times are coming, and by the way, it's, amen, unfortunately, it seems like it is, the church's time to shine is more than ever. But it has to be led by the Holy Spirit. It has to be led. He guides us in truth. So we know what to do. And he will begin. This is the surgery he can begin to do. The Holy Spirit is in your spirit when you accept Jesus as the Lord. But you can begin to say, Holy Spirit, I need you to start building bridges. Bridges are good, not walls. Bridges, bridges. Building bridges to my soul. Because once my spirit and soul are actually working together, not will Holy Spirit only just work in me, he will work through me as we're going to see in a little later. Because sometimes in our spirituality, we've thrown out the soul, the mind, the emotions, and the will, and basically ate too much frosted flakes in the morning, and we're both like, you're so heavenly-minded that you are earthly no good. So part of my call, I believe, at Faith Christian Center in the year and the years ahead of wherever God leads us, is to help you, everybody, and myself, to get the Holy Spirit on a bridge between the two. Because then you're, then you're almost at the full of Christ. Because Christ was able to operate out of the Spirit, but bridge it to his soul. Amen. Jesus wept at the two, where Lazarus died. He was human. He had some humanity to him. But imagine if the Holy Spirit's leading that, what we can actually do. What we can actually do. So the tension is, am I just going to appreciate the compass that I have? And be so educated and, well, I know where north is, south and east and west. Or am I experiencing that? Am I experiencing that under the will of the Father? It is a decision you need to make. Not this minute, but I would think about the importance of that decision, that you need to make that sooner or later. A lot of our Western Christian culture has us running to development at churches without any decisions that we haven't made yet. The disciples were told, come follow me. They had to make a decision before they were discipled. You need to take the time to pray that out. Say, Lord, am I ready to commit 100%? I'm not having you drink Kool-Aid. This is the word of God. (laughs) This is truth and life. Because the life you actually have been designed for is on the other side of that following. Truly, truly, it is. And we're going to see that with the fruits of the Spirit. Oh, boy, let's get to some fruits here. Um, all right, so we talked quickly about the fruits of the Spirit last time. I really feel, do you mind if I sit? Thank you, I'm sitting. So, 
Um, I just don't want to miss some of this. All right, so fruits of the Spirit, we talked about this. Paul was writing uh, the book of Galatians to the church of Galatia. And the church of the Galatia was dealing with uh, a lot of religious mindset and old practices of the law were creeping into this newly developed church. Some of it was Jewish law, some pagan, different things like that. And Paul is saying, guys, you're starting to believe that salvation is done through works. No, it's done by grace and your faith in a God who loves you. So it's, 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 he's, he's coming in strong to say, we don't walk after the flesh as Christians. We should be walking by the Spirit. Compass, Spirit. So he goes into Galatians 5, verse 23. And I truly believe, just me personally, that if we get this right, we can get the next thing right that we're about to talk about. But the fruit of the Spirit, you can put it up there, but the fruit of the Spirit, the result of His presence within us, so important, we came into that earlier, but it should be on you all the time, not just in this room, is love, unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace, patience, not the ability to wait, but, the, but how we act while waiting. So important. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And here's the grand slam if you're a baseball fan. Against such things, there is no law. Is Paul telling us to be lawless and, and, and not obey the law? His spirit, the Holy Spirit, is telling him to tell us, and certainly in the church of Galatia, that if you've got all these things growing... You should have no fear of man and no fear of following wherever the Holy Spirit's leading you. If you can have both, you'll find where God's purpose is for you in your life. Let me break this down quick. He talks about love. I believe he did this in orders of importance. Love is really the best fruit that you can grow. So grow it big in your life. You need to know your love, though, before you can rest in this love and then also give it away. Love is everything. It's, it's the radiance I can only... I'm not scriptural. I, I got to think it's the radiance of God is love because He is love. So we need to embrace that you are loved. And because of that, that will bring a security not in you because you know who you are, but you know whose you are. And then you can rest in the love and grow it. And, and love can't be contained. Joy. Joy is an internal anchor in your spirit because of what you've been saved from. The Chris definition. What you've been saved from should bring you joy every day. And it's an internal joy. It's not affected around the, by the things around you, but you can infect it to others that need it. Peace. Peace needs to be a place in your life and you need to know the address. Not being corny, but truthful. You need to know that peace is a place that you need to go to and you need to make it a residence. For some, a permanent residence. Peace. You need it. Peace will give you clarity. 
It brings everything to an equal level. And then you can listen to the Holy Spirit what to do. Patience. Patience allows us to not react when we could. Amen? Because you're loved. (laughs) You can do that. You can have patience in your life. Patience as well. Some of us have run out the door to do things for God when he didn't tell you to do them and didn't rest in some patience to really hear the truth from the Holy Spirit. Kindness is really reflected on others around you. It's an act, whether it's a random act or intentional act. It's, it's, a, it's a reflection of what's in you, which is really the goodness of you, right? He talks about goodness. Goodness is really comes from the character of God in your life. If you don't have a lot of goodness, I wonder who you've been looking at most of your life. The creator of love is good. We sing songs about that. Oh, the goodness of God at some point in your life should make you tear up. You're still a grown man if you cry. Or a woman. Gentleness and... No, faithfulness was the next one. I, I just... It was just a few sentences. Well, I, I mean, we know the faithfulness of God. So that should reflect upon my word as a Christ follower to others. So when I say something that I may do, I'm faithful to that word (laughs) to you individually. We don't need inconsistent Christianity. We need faithful followers that through the resurrected Lord and Savior is inhabiting us through the Holy Spirit. So that faithfulness that he is to us begins to project on what we do to others and being faithful Being faithful to the call. Being in church is important. It's not everything, but it is important. Being faithful to these little things. There's a scripture. If you're faithful in the little things, God will... Imagine if God trusts you with a little bit more in your life. We sing, oh, Father, I trust you. And I even said it earlier. Imagine if God began to start trusting us. Amen, hallelujah, run around the room. Gentleness and self-control. This, I believe, is so important. But it only comes if we get everything else starting to grow, these other fruits. Gentleness and self-control is so important if we are called to be the salt and the light around us. So when people disagree with you or you disagree with them, get, out, get, get in peace, find your address, and then exude gentleness and softness. Surprise them. Surprise them. Why do you think that scripture, one of the last things that Jesus said is the earth is... Excuse me, the world is going to know, a.k.a. culture and everything else, is going to know that you guys are really my followers by how you love one another. So they're they're upside down. I know Pastor John many years ago did a message on upside downness. The kingdom is upside down to a culture that doesn't understand. So be upside down. It's okay. The blood won't rush to your head. Be upside down. That's how the world will know that. But these, these gifts of spirits are so important because if you can grow them, you have no fear of man, as I said earlier. You, know, you have no fear of what God's calling you to do through the Holy Spirit to go follow and use this compass and utilize it because the fruits are growing. They don't all grow, I believe, and I can attest to my own life, at the same rate. 
So don't make them idols and say, oh, I need this to grow, and you're waiting for this, and you're measuring. I mean, you do need to appraise where your fruit is. Is it growing? You need it to grow. But this was what is the fork in the road. Are you going to be a comfortable Christian? I love comfort. I'm not against it. This chair is pretty comfortable right now. But God doesn't live, and none of what Jesus said on this earth brought comfort to me when I read it. Only through knowing our Savior why he means it. And he will carry us. The abundant life he talked about is when we are living his life in us and through us. It's not comfortable to some churches. Fork in the road. Well, we cannot not talk about the book of Acts if we're going to talk about this compass. In Acts 2, when Jesus was, came back from the resurrection, he, he said, you know, you guys, you see me, you see the Timothy. Um, Thomas was, I need to see the, the holes in the hand. You know, Jesus appears to Thomas and the other apostles, and, you know, they're seeing the physical resurrected Jesus. Imagine that. Imagine that. Isn't that amazing? But then he ends one of his scriptures with Thomas, says, but blessed are the folks that don't get to see me physically and have to walk by faith. That's us. That's us, right? So, but he says, you guys are excited. You're pumped. You want to go put Jesus bumper stickers on everybody's camels. You want to get out there and do things. But I want you to wait in this upper room. Just wait. Just wait. And the Holy Spirit will come. They waited. They waited. They waited. They waited. I could see Paul and some, excuse me, Peter and maybe John saying, yeah, but should we make a strategy on our evangelism campaign? You know, they can just start. No, we're just supposed to wait. Waiting is a verb. It's positioning yourself to hear better than ever when you're waiting. And what happened? Most of us know this. The Holy Spirit came in, tongues of fire. There's flames on the head. People are speaking in tongues. I mean, it is. It's a Pentecostal showdown. You know, it's like it was the day of Pentecost. Boom! You could not deny the Spirit. You could not deny the Spirit. He go, Peter uh, goes out and because the people around him that we know were like, what's going on in there? Some of you may be drunk. He comes out, talks to them, and saves 3, 000, up to 3,000 people because he was speaking through the Holy Spirit that was in him now, speaking truth, guiding other people to truth, and the repentance that needs to happen for a better life. And in that time he did that, people basically said, what must I do to be saved? The phone will be ringing at your, in your cell phone. When you begin to follow Christ, where some people that you thought God couldn't save will be calling you, what must I do? Because I see the fruits in your life. What must I do? It's getting darker out there. This is an amazing time to be following Christ. It's an adventure. But sometimes we don't know what step to take, but one step at a time. And that's okay, because then we're not in control, and God's in control, because we're trusting Him. So anyhow, Holy Spirit, uh, Peter preached 3,000 people, da-da-da-da. That's awesome. Probably the first Spirit-led sermon ever, ever made. And then we go to Acts 3.11. I believe it could be the following day because he's filled with the Spirit. Can we go to Acts 3.1? Yeah, Acts 3.1 and 11. Thank you. 
Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. I got to think they were just, when they were going there, they were just praying, Lord, let your will be done. I don't think they had big agendas saying you're all going to hell. Jesus, let your will be done. So they enter in, they approach the temple, a man lamed, and we know, if you've been around, you know this story. A man lamed from birth was, has been carried in. So he was carried in, so people knew about him. Each day he was put aside at the temple gate, the one who call, that they call the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to ask, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, so they didn't brush him off. When you're being sensitive to the Spirit, it will usually invoke an interruption. Just look at Jesus' ministry. Should I say that again? Yeah. When you're being sensitive to the Spirit, it will invoke an interruption. And that's a good interruption. That's God interrupted. Jesus was interrupted all the time. Peter looked intently, to the, the lame man looked at him and eagerly expected some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. Now, Peter is, being, is filled with the Holy Spirit right now. He's got the Holy Spirit in him, but it is bubbling because he knows his authority that he has. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazareth, get up and walk. Then Peter continued to pray. No. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. So he believed that the Holy Spirit was leading him so much to act on what was just commanded. Some of you need to do that in your lives. You're going around the mulberry bush of the same prayer when God's trying to say, would you just be quiet, listen to my Holy Spirit, I need you to act on what you already believe. He jumped up, stood on his feet and began to walk. Then walking and leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. That has got to be a sight. Here's Peter and John and and the lame man walking right on in. All the people saw him and walking and heard him praise God. They they realized that he was the lame beggar and they seen often at the beautiful gate. They were absolutely astounded. There were no golf claps. That's so neat. Wow. Thank you, brothers, for doing that. There was a reaction in them, meaning the Holy Spirit's anointing were following Peter and John into that temple and affected the surroundings in that area. You, can, you get there when your objective is not about you. <laughs> so the gift of healing came out in there, and Peter and John, and John deserves credit because he didn't rebuke Peter in that. <laughs> so, and then let's fast forward. So there, the temple is a lot of chaos going on, and then the uh, priests start calling... Uh, Peter and John in because they have a point of losing control. Not Peter and John, but the temple priests saying, whoa, this is not my typical prayer service that I scheduled today. Come on in, Peter and John. So they came, and here we jump into this. Acts 4, 8 through 21. We're going to be a little late today, but I think it's all right. Then I have to finish this series today. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, meaning the priests, rulers and elders of our people, I can just imagine them sitting in all this in this room. Are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed 
let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The man you crucified, so he's not holding back, the man you crucified by whom God raised from the dead, for Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures when it says, so powerful, the stone, that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone of everything. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under the heavens by which we must be saved. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could not see that they were, I want you guys to hear this, they were ordinary men with no special training in scriptures. They had no Bible certificates, no seminary. Just the, the best educator and of all of mankind, the Holy Spirit in them. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right among them, they were not, they, there was nothing the council could say. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and conferred among themselves, what should we do with these men? <laughs> they asked each other, We can't deny that what they have performed is a miraculous sign, and everyone in Jerusalem knows it. It's nice to know that good news can travel just as fast as bad news in our day. But to keep them from spreading the propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak anymore about about this name of Jesus. I, I don't have time to go through the whole thing, but basically Peter and John said, no, that's you want me to obey you, a priest over my Father God and what Jesus has done for all of us and the Holy Spirit is telling me to do? Uh-uh, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. So here's the pivotal, and this is what we'll see in other religions and other council members and maybe even great governments of things. And this is only the Holy Spirit that can do this. When a leader knows he can't, in this situation, he can't convict and I mean in a bad way. Uh, let me, can't, throw, can't throw someone in jail because a riot will happen because it was a good thing. They lose control that way. They don't want to lose control. And then he knew if he let them out, they wouldn't lose control either because they could see that they were, they were backing a miracle of God. I didn't articulate that well. I'll have to revisit that. But what I am is leaders, when leaders lose control, they will do weird things. If, they're, if, they're, if, they're, if their intentions are to have control. The best leaders I've ever known and studied, and I'm learning to be in this area too, is the, our best servants. We're serving something greater than ourselves, which is in each and every one of us, because you are leaders in your own family life, your individual life. But you've got to know, as the world gets darker, when leaders start losing control, they're going to do some weird things. Weird things. That isn't even a prophecy. That's just people. But you've got to understand, here's a neat thing. I'm going to stand up for this. You need to understand that what's happening here in the beginning of Acts is, and I was sharing this, we were the pastors, or I were talking about this recently, or maybe the staff, is the apostles are doing miracles in the marketplace, in people's homes. The church is forming. 
but it didn't start in this room. You need to dissect that and, and digest that. That the church can start with perfect chair form and great music, which we need, and an awesome pastor preaching like me. It didn't start with that. It started out there. So the Western church is always kind of think whatever, I'll steal the, the theme, but whatever stays in the sanctuary, whatever happens in the sanctuary stays in the sanctuary. No, we need the church. We need this room to, to continue to build us up, but not to build us up to be more comfortable here, but be more empowered out there. So, so the church was forming here in Acts, happening in people's market spaces and where they're living. The Holy Spirit was blowing the walls out and having out there. Let's get to the gifts. So Paul, Paul writes this letter to the, the church of Corinth in Corinthians. And this town is almost like that logo, Sin City. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a town, community, city that is abounding in sin. And over time it gets into the church a little bit. But it is, it's like... King Nero at this time, I mean, he was an adulterer, an incestor, a murderer. I mean, he was just a wild and, cre- wild and crazy guy. He, so there was no, no morality that would to look, because our main king was insane, and he hated Christians. So Paul comes to the church at Corinth and saying, listen, when all this is around you, 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 you don't need to put a turtle shell on. You're called into this world but you need to all have unity before going out into this world. Back to the Trinity, a drip down of unity. So, so the gifts come really out of a letter of unity too, because if we're operating the gifts, there has to be, and I'll talk in a minute, a scent of unity somewhere. And so what the gifts are that Paul's writing this church, like, listen, we've talked about the fruits in the church of Galatia. When those are growing well, now the Holy Spirit who's working in you, needs to work through you. You can't contain him. You need, to, you, need to, you need to minister to the other people. And this is where denominational splits, churches split. People get hurt by church with this too because you've got some preachers or international ministry that took one gift and thought they'd make their entire career about that. But when it started running out, they were working within themselves and hurt a lot of people around them. So what I'm getting into is real. And it's godly. And, you know, some say the gifts of the Spirit have gone away. It was just the apostles. That's very hard to believe. Um, some say just a few gifts. But as Faith Christian Center, we believe in all the gifts. And that it's for each and every one of us. It's not for just me sitting up here. And it's to be activated in your daily life because you have the compass in you to lead you in truth. So Paul begins to write this thing, and it splits some churches around because you're either going to be comfortable in church or you're going to have to trust the Holy Spirit and go to a higher level of where God's calling you to and be the church. we got to be done having church. And I'm telling you myself, we need to be the church. We need to be the church. Pastor, what does that mean? Well, if you're sitting long enough, you're going to hear it. But you're also going to hear it in here if you're praying it too. Heavenly Father, use me. I want to be about your business. I want to be the church that, I want to be a part of the church that you've called. 
1 Corinthians 12, 7 through, oh boy, 7 through 11. A spiritual gift is given to each other. We can, well, I'll just read this. A spiritual gift is given to each other so we can help each other, not so I can look better. Look at me, here I am, right where I belong. A spiritual gift is given to each other so we can help each other. Keep rolling. The one person the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice, so that's one gift. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. Keep going. To the same Spirit, there's all the same Spirit that lives in us, gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the, so important, from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. How many know other spirits talk? Another person is given the ability to speak in unknown, keep going, languages, while other is given the ability to interpret what they've been said. I don't have time to go through all this. We're going to have to revisit this. But plain and simple, God gives us these gifts to minister to our bodies here, the body of Christ. But certainly, as we saw in Acts with Peter and John at the Gate Beautiful, to minister to others. And there's been a lot of talk that gifts, you only have one gift. Some people may walk in gifts a little more than others that are representative, but it's, it's true. I've witnessed this in my own life. Many times. Can I share a little bit of my personal journey to explore this and say, wow, me aside, this is just my experience, right? I remember, and I might have shared this one point, which was the most entry point of me learning to follow Christ, and I've tripped up since then many times, but I'm still, I get up, right? When you fall, you get up, right? So seventh or eighth grade at a spirit-filled Christian school, um, 1981, uh, I believe it was English class, and we were in the middle of English class, and we opened our, our, our classes up praying in tongues and, you know, praying with anything, and the teacher just puts down her chalk and says, I just feel the need, we have to pray for something. I'm not cinematizing this at all. This is exactly what happened. I immediately prayed that, is this about the homework I didn't bring in today? It wasn't. So we're praying for a little bit. And then one of the, again, we're, in the, we're 10 or 12, I think. We're young. One of, the, one of the children says, shooting, shooting. And the teacher directs it. She was such a great director of the Holy Spirit. She says, okay, well, let's just keep pressing in and praying. Just listen, listen. And then I said, maybe a few minutes later, I said, president, president. And then we just pressed in and kept praying. And then she kind of took the, took the mantle from that and said, well, we need to pray for any peace that ever happens to a president. This was March 1981. President Reagan got shot that same day. So we leave school and we hear what just happened. You know, it was a few hours later that attempt had happened. That helped me understand the gifts of the Spirit. I can't tell you how many miracles I've seen. Does, does everybody get healed that I've seen? No. And I know God heals. 
I've seen legs come out, uh, people walking out of wheelchairs. My goodness, sometimes why we bring Christopher along here is to shake up our Western culture and say, no, people are hungry for the gospel, and look what the Holy Spirit's doing. Healings, deaf ears open, seeing cancers being healed. I just was at a, 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 a small communicator pastor's uh, gathering of about 30 guys in South Carolina last week. And we ended our few days there, and we just prayed. And then some of these folks began to prophesy over the pastors. Not making this about me, but the things that were prophesied over this church, which I'll begin to share more and more, which is nothing new. And myself, these people don't know who I am or who you are. But they know a God who was connecting that prophecy to what I needed to hear at that time. So there's so much of the gifts of the Spirit. When I say gifts of the Spirit, and some of you have had church hurt, I need to address this again. I know it's 1102. When I say church hurt, you've been hurt because you've had some people that you trusted that were saying they were working in the gifts of the Spirit, but some of their fruit fell off the tree that they were growing one time, and it hit you in the head, and I'm sorry. You can't, a leader or anybody cannot take this lightly. So the fruit needs to be growing in you, growing in you the Holy Spirit so you can go out. I have found when somebody's speaking over me or there's healing or there's some, the Holy Spirit is coming into something in my life. For me, do not make it a formula what I'm about to say because that's when the Holy Spirit will do it a different way. So we can't say, okay, we have to have an altar call every, you know, whatever the Holy Spirit's doing. But I want to give you freedom that you should have liberty if the Holy Spirit's doing something in you, come down. Even when I'm preaching, time is short. Let's not make too formal orders. Just come down. If God's dealing, you need prayer. I don't care if you interrupt this message. I mean, this is more important. We're here to transform lives. What was I saying? Oh, okay, three. So three things that come in for me. If I feel somebody speaking a prophecy over me or, or I'm getting challenged by the Holy Spirit to go do something, it usually comes, and it's just three C's. It's basically, um, it's challenging, so it's making me uncomfortable. And it's leading me to something greater, probably, that I have to trust God in. The other thing is it will be confirming. At some point in you, you've had, prophecy isn't this magical thing of always predicting the future. It will confirm something in you sometimes that you've already had in your spirit. And then the next thing is commissioning because we're not here to have church and run around the building and just feel comatose. We're not. That's okay if it happens, but it has to be an authentic reaction of God's blowing your stage up and transforming your life. But it has to commission you to go do something with what has been said that most likely is going to help build his kingdom and build something greater in you and grow fruit in you. Does that make sense? Praying in tongues. If you're not doing that daily, I would highly encourage you. See, it's where we run out of our own words. This is one part of it. I don't have time to dissect it all. One of the main things, we run out of our own English word, vocabulary, articulation of those words, and you go into a tongue that you don't understand, 
It is pushing you out of the way. But it's the Holy Spirit that's formulating that vocabulary up into heaven to make things happen that you couldn't do on your own with your own elegant words or whatever you're trying to say. Power will be moved in tongues. They ha- it's so important in your life. And, and, and we talk, and you've got to remember, so, so there's one point, I'm going a little late. There's one point where uh, Peter and John come back from that same scene where they're in the council, the priests, the counselors that are rejecting them and what they're doing, but they throw their hands up in the air and they release them. Well, they go back to their community that's growing, right? I think it's in Acts, whatever, but it's in there. Uh, they get, go back to the community and they tell the people in their community what happened at the gate beautiful. The crippled man just got up and walked and what was happening with the council. It's interesting. The people back in the community didn't say, oh, oh boy. I mean, people don't like the good news. We better pack up and, oh wait, no, no, we can't pack up. We gave everything away. Uh, What we will do is build a bubble around us as Christians and just keep people out and the people don't like us in. That's not what they said. They said, let's pray for the Holy Spirit right now. Two things I want to mention. For boldness. What that was is as your fruits are growing, you are creating more space for the Holy Spirit to fill you up. We say baptism sometimes. We say whatever. But you have the ability to pray in for you to be filled up with the Holy Spirit. So that collective group right there, they already had the Holy Spirit in. Then they, most of them were in the upper room just days ago or whatever. They said, we need to get bold. So let's pray that in. So they prayed. And the room shook. Not in the upper room. This was a few days after. The room shook. The Holy Spirit empowered them to do what they needed to do. It's in you. But do you need to position your spot? Appraise your fruits. Here's, let me land the plane. If we focus... We can get lost in all these neat things. And people do, because we're all human sometimes. But if the Spirit of God is growing in us and we're being filled and filled, we'll understand that what makes this all happen, not just from a theological standpoint, that's important, is because... We're in unity with the Trinity. See, when Jesus was on the earth, the best way I can illustrate it is he had a fragrance. And that fragrance wasn't Calvin Klein. It wasn't Versace, whatever. That fragrance was unity. What made people come to him? Sinners, a tax collector, religious folks, people exploring. They were attracted to him because he had a fragrance of unity and I believe because that unity was permeating the Holy Spirit could work through him and do his father's will as much as possible so it's important that we want all these giftings and all this fun good stuff but all those fruits really grow when there's unity the unity of the Trinity saying I honor you father I worship you Jesus I listen to you Holy Spirit and the unity that you have I want in me and in that, it'll affect the people around us. So when people's ministries tank out, when they have a great healing ministry too, and 
Churches are blowing at the seams and growing, and there's a fall somewhere. Somewhere the fragrance didn't have unity. We need unity. There's so much disunity around us. We, have, we may not agree on every little thing, but we agree there's one greater thing that we have to lean into. Lean into. We need to have a fragrance of unity. It's so important. And I believe if we do, the Holy Spirit will be able to begin to work in each and every one of your lives, blowing your mind, because we're attaching them to our soul. We want to blow your mind and do things, the work of our Father, but also in here, which is good too, right? But it needs to also start in your lives. So I challenge you, as we wind down here, every morning you need to acknowledge the Holy Spirit in your life. Jesus said he's a person. Well, I'm sitting, Holy Spirit, good morning. Good morning. Cat or dog may think you're talking to them, but good morning to the Holy Spirit. Good morning. I am here to hear from you because I need truth today. I need to be guided in truth and begin to listen. And it may be those three C's you start hearing, what I said earlier, you know, about challenge. He may, so if I'm, de- uh, if I'm dealing with a financial crisis and I'm praying for the Holy Spirit, and this is, can we, we're not, this is because we're doing a building fund, but it's nice timing. So imagine if I'm praying and saying, Lord, I'm down to my last $10 or whatever. Holy Spirit, speak to me. I need a job. I need a job. So you're telling God what you need, uh, which he already knows scripturally. Uh, And then the Holy Spirit says these things. I need you to let go of what you're obsessing over and begin to sow it into somebody else's life. So I say, are you talking about my $10? But he is. Challenge. I got to give my last $10 away. Confirmation. I'm holding on to my last $10 before this prayer. So I, I, I'm in need. I have a financial need. So that's confirmation. Commission, go sow it into somebody else's life. Makes absolutely no sense to the human mind that doesn't know how God works in the Holy Spirit. But these little things will be prompt you. Pray for sensitivity during the day. Holy Spirit, speak to me, but I want to incline my ear in the Word. In my prayer and my worship, talk to me. I go into more examples, and I know some of our pastors have too, where somebody's come to our mind, and it's like, whoa, we pick up and call that person. It's like, all hell's breaking loose. Like, okay, I'm glad, Holy Spirit, you directed me to that. Be sensitive to the things around you. Sometimes you may be cutting a limb off in faith as you're staying, but that's good, because it's only God who has to hold you up at that point, not you, not in reasoning, and not in any other way. Let's stand. (laughs) Heavenly Father, we uh, just honor you and are so thankful that you've created this opportunity for us to gather as a church community here today. Jesus, we are so, so appreciative of what you did on that cross, and we can never formulate all the words and adjectives to even explain it, but our heart cries out towards what you've done in our lives, Lord. Let us, let us not let the cross be taken for granted. Let us not be the people that when you come back saying, yeah, you did neat stuff, but I don't know you because you didn't do the will 
of my Father. Lord, Holy Spirit, let us become more sensitive to you and our surroundings. We give you reign and license to speak to us when there may be seas raging around us. But we can be confident that we can hear in your time. Lord, those who need to, that are standing in front of a fork road, let us make the decision soon. Are we just appreciative of holding a compass or do we actually need the compass, which is your Holy Spirit in us? So we can begin this life of doing your will on this earth. And we can be confident when we do that, you are the great provider. Things that we worry about, you fulfill, but it's when we're in your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. If any of you do not, some of this was not all foreign, but you just don't have a relationship with Jesus, this love we talked about, you don't have any of that in your life. Not, you don't have religion. You don't have relationship in your life. I would ask you to come see me just right after service. I'm going to stand here and pray for you. Uh, you're not joining a church or anything out. I just want to pray for you. If you have other needs that need prayer, and the Holy Spirit to begin to speak and intervene. We have a prayer team here as well. So don't leave now if you have that need. Now is now, right? So when we end, please come up, and I'd love to see you. Thank you, everybody, for being attentive. Our Compass, the series, I hope this you've got something out of it. You've been challenged to grow. I'm growing in it, and knowing that the Holy Spirit is here to help guide you in what? Truth. Guide you in truth. We need it. Amen? Thank you, Pastor Ray. Thank you.